Before we get into the word, can we have another word of prayer? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father God, once again, I thank you for this time and this opportunity as of now. I thank you for the sunshine that's, that's shining today. I thank you for the rain that we've had, but also thank you for that, that beautiful sunshine that helped dry things up and help things grow. And it's just so wonderful when I stop and contemplate how great you are. And um, I just ask for forgiveness of my sins, a cleansing of my sins. Remove anything that would get in the way of you hearing me more clearly today in my prayer. I ask a blessing upon this church family, the, the, the members that are here to hear your word. May the words be spoken today once again be from you and not from me. And I'm praying also for the members that could not be here today, the ones that are traveling or sick. Please be with them, Father God. Give them a special blessing today. Help them to know that you're with them. And as we open up your word today, may your words unfold and penetrate our hearts with the message that you would have each and every one of us here and take away. And may we leave here lifted up and emboldened to be that true example of you and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today's message or title of the sermon is uh, The Reluctant Prophet. And, um, you know, there are a few names that we could speak of when we talk about reluctance or uh, reluctant people in the Bible and the scriptures. And a few that come to mind uh, would be Moses, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Gideon, that's a good story, Saul at first and then later became Paul, and then Jonah. And as we're going through this, this book, and I'm sure everybody has their Bibles today. If not, there's probably one in front of you in the, in the pew in front of you. But we're going to be reading the story of Jonah today. That old story of Jonah, right? The story we all knew and heard of as a, as a child, as a kid growing up. But there's some things in the story that really jumped out at me the last time I was studying it. So I prayed about it, and God put it on my heart to talk about this particular story today with you. A few focal points to remember uh, as we read today is compassion and responsiveness. When I say compassion, I'm talking, of, of course, of God's compassion, God's grace and His mercy, but ultimately His compassion upon not only Jonah, who that's who we all remember and all talk about, not only Nineveh or the Ninevites, right? Crux of this, of this powerful story, but also the sailors on the ship. So there's three groups that I want you to be thinking of as we read and as we study God's Word today at the book of Jonah. So compassion's the first one. The second one is responsiveness. Okay, so we see, a, we see an act or an action from God. Now how do we respond? How does Jonah respond? How do the sailors respond in the story? How do the Ninevites respond? And ultimately, how do we respond to God's calling in our lives? In many ways, it's been told that Jonah's role really portrayed Israel throughout this time and the thoughts Israel viewed or shared for the countries around them. As we read the story of Jonah today, I ask that you put yourself in his shoes. Can you relate to Jonah at all and how he acted 
toward God. So, as we open up our Scriptures, let's open up our Bibles to Jonah. There's only four chapters here, and it's not a long read, and I know we've got plenty of time today. Charles said I have about an hour and a half to to speak, but uh, I'll condense that down, and we'll make sure we get you guys to lunch in a good time, I promise. Um, But... uh, if you're in, in Jonah, can I hear an amen? amen? All right. Okay. So I'm reading also from the New International Version. So I've read it from the New uh, Living Translation, King James Version, and the NIV, a New International Version. So I'm reading from the NIV today. Okay. So Jonah, chapter one. It, my Bible, it's titled, Jonah Flees from the Lord. So says, so the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, so now we have Jonah, prophet of God, who's been commissioned, right? Jonah, uh, the wickedness of this city has come up to my attention. And now I'm asking you as my prophet to go and speak what I ask you and need you to speak to these people. Most of the time we hear and see in the Bible that that's pretty straightforward, right? God tells somebody to do something, asks somebody to do something. He has a relationship with one of his um, prophets and they say, yes, Lord, I'm willing, right? Shouldn't we all be that way? We should all be prophets of God or disciples of God, being willing to go out and do what it is most would not do for God. But here we see a converse of that. In verse three, we see the reaction, right? the responsiveness or lack thereof from this prophet, Jonah. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed toward for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I would love to have interviewed Jonah, you know, after all this took place. You know, okay, Jonah, what was going through your mind, <laughs> right? When you turned deliberately from the Lord, and you're going the opposite direction. Let's find out. Let's read, as Paul Harvey uh, said, let's hear the rest of the story. So in verse 4, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. Remember that. His own God, right? And they threw the cargo into the sea, to lighten the ship. Um, I've learned since reading this and, and, and studying as far as seafaring people or sailors, whenever a ship's in distress, whenever they're taken on water, the big storm, water's raging, batter, battering the ship, it's a custom to lighten the ship, to throw the cargo out so it keeps the ship more buoyant during that time and it helps <laughs> save their lives. So they're like, hey, let's lighten the ship. Let's, let's get rid of this cargo. But what is our prophet Jonah? What, where do we find our prophet Jonah? What, what is on his mind, do you think? Well, let's read. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep, much less a deep sleep, right, during this time. But yet we find Jonah. He's into a, it's, the Bible says it's a deep sleep, not just a normal sleep. Reviewing this or seeing everything that was going on in verse 6, it says, The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. 
Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. So you see this, this dynamic here on this ship that's taking place of these sailors praying to their gods, plural. This captain running around and just trying to make sure everything's, hey, get the cargo off the ship, make sure we've got everything taken care of. What's this guy doing right here? He's going right down here to go to sleep. Hey man, call on your God, right? At this point, they're in such despair that they're, they're calling on anybody. It's call on any God and whoever's God answers, right? So this captain's reaching out to Jonah. He says, get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. In verse 7 says, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Ah, they cast lots and, and the lot fell on good old Jonah. Right? The, the person that was falling, had fallen into a deep sleep, not really concerned about the storm, so it seemed. And so they asked him, okay, now, so all the attention's on, little, on poor Jonah, right? Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? Where is, what is your country? From what people are you? I love the response from Jonah here. It says, he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Isn't it? Funny that he said sea first and then land. That's really struck close to home, right? With what situation they were going through. Yeah, we're on. The, we're in the sea, right? We're in this water. We're in this storm. And he calmly calls out the Lord of God, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them in verse 10. And they asked, what have you done? <laughs> right? You bring this calamity on us. We were minding our own business. We were just a seafaring sailors uh, just going from here to there. And you come on, and now you brought this upon us. They knew he was running away from the Lord, it goes on to say, because he had already told them so. It says the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they had asked him, what should we do to, to you to make the sea calm down for us? So they asked him, right, point blank, what do we need to do with you, Jonah? You know, you're running away from your God and the seas are going and raging around us. What is it that you say we do? I'm sure this next line, this next response from Jonah really took him off guard, right? In verse 12, it says, pick me, he says, Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. Up until that point, had they ever witnessed anything like this? throwing somebody into a raging sea in a storm, and all of a sudden it becoming calm. So this went against everything that your common sense, your logic would tell you, right? Through the storm, in the midst of the storm, this man who's running away from his Lord, his God, is telling them to throw him in the water and it will become calm. Jonah goes on further to say, I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. The response Right from the men, from the sailors. In verse 13, it says, Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. Ah, don't listen to him. Let's just keep rowing. Let's keep focused, right? Let's go back to land. We can do it. But they could not, the Bible says, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord. Who'd they cry to? The Lord. Oh, wow. Maybe see a little a little shift here in dynamic and, and thought process and, and focus on from, from, from verses before. In verse 5, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God, right? 
to now, then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. So now they'd come with faith. They've opened up their hearts to the Lord. They proclaimed in faith, do not hold us accountable for taking this innocent man's life. In verse 15, he goes on to say, it says, Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, I could probably just stop there with the story and this message of compassion and responsiveness. Because from Jonah's reluctance to follow the Lord's command, God blessed these sailors. From Jonah's turning away from the Lord, God was able to use this scenario, this situation, for good. And then I asked myself, I said, when and where have I turned away from the Lord in my life? When have I turned my back on, on Christ and said, you know what, I understand what you're trying to tell me or what you'd like me to do, but I really don't think that's the right way. I, don't, I, don't, I think this is a better way, Lord. And I've turned and I've gone down that route and that road. But every time I've turned from the Lord and gone a different way, the way I felt that He was leading in my life, He's still had a blessing for me. He still had a blessing for the people around me. And it's not until now, until you read these stories like this, this wonderful story in Scriptures of ordinary men, sinful men, that have lived their lives, made their decisions, followed the Lord, not followed the Lord, that I, we, can draw from. We can draw hope from. We can draw inspiration from and wisdom it's wonderful to hear about these sailors my whole life. I just think of Jonah and the, and the whale, right? Jonah and the Ninevites and how he saved in, in that city. But what about these sailors, right? There's many people that were affected by this. And it is my hope and prayer that these sailors, right? At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice and made vows to him that the rest of their journey that they followed the Lord, the one true God, throughout the rest of their lives because of that one situation that happened on the seas with poor Jonah. So now they're making vows, they're making sacrifices. They see the power of Jonah's Lord, Jonah's God. Seas are calm. And I'm thinking to myself, what's Jonah doing? How long is he floating around in the water? You know, with the calm water like going... Hey guys, I'm over here. Uh, can, you, can you bring me back in now? But what do we see? What, hap- what happens next here in, in, in verse 17? It says, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Imagine some of the sailors saw this, right? <laughs> Swallowing Jonah, a man from the Lord. He told us this. He told us what to do. We threw him overboard. The, the seas calmed we made vows and now Jonah's gone 
Now, many times uh, I will tell at Sabbath school or at my church, um, and I love to share the stories of obviously Scripture and the folks and the and people in Scripture. But more importantly, when something happens to someone in Scripture, you can see a lot about their character and where they're at with the Lord. And i.e. me in a mirror. I can see a lot of my character, a lot of my where my heart is. When something happens to me, what's my first response? What's my first action, right? And we see Jonah's first action here after he gets swallowed by this large fish. It's in, in this chapter 2. Verse 1, from the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. Ah, that's what we all need to be doing, right? That should be our first reaction with anything, no matter how small or how great. When anything happens in your life, in my life, pray. Pray. I promise, no matter how small it is, God, it's important to God. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, and he said, now, could you imagine this is just a normal prayer? Oh, Lord, thank you for this day. I'm just grateful to be here today. No, this was a prayer of despair. This was a prayer of focus. I don't know if any of you have ever been in that situation where you've had that type of prayer. I have, personally. And uh, I can tell you, there is a, an awe. There's, there's, there's something special there. When you give everything you have to the Lord, when you just lay it out, Right? This is all of me, Lord. This is where I'm at. Take me as I am. Hear my prayer and cry out and talk to the Heavenly Father. I believe that's what's going on right here with Jonah. He says, in my distress, I called to you, Lord. And he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again. Amen, right? Keep looking. That's the focus there. Keep looking for the Lord toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. Is it refreshing to hear the faith of this man in the moment of time of where he's at? He is in the belly of a large fish. He doesn't know. He, he's dead. In my mind, logic would tell me he feels, hey, <laughs> I'm going to die. Give it out, right? In despair, give it out. Pray to the Lord. Give it with all your faith, all your heart, and all your might. When my life was ebbing away, in verse 7, he goes on, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a strong, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. What do we see here? He's, I mean, he's saying, he's, he's proclaiming God's greatness and his goodness and, and talking about people that cling to worthless idols and things that, that are meaningless, Solomon says. 
forfeit the grace that could be theirs, right? And then he goes on to say, what I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Is he saying, hey, Lord, if you get me out of this, I will go to Nineveh. I'll do what you would ask me to do in the first place. And he caps it off with salvation comes from the Lord. I wonder, I mean, if, if it's immediate prayer when he was swallowed by the fish, was it a day in? You know what I mean? How long did he sit after this prayer and have time to contemplate what God's next move was going to be? Ah, but we find it out here in verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, that's really not the ideal way that you want to be uh, dis- you know, discarded or spit out, vomited from a fish uh, out to get out of a fish. But I'm sure Jonah was okay with that once he got out, right? Once he was on dry land. Whoa, did you see what happened? And I imagine, was there anybody on shore? Were there any fishing boats around that see this large fish vomit out this man? I, I just, it impacted many people, I'm sure. We know it impacted Jonah. So Jonah gets out and he's like, man, I've got a new leash, right? A new leash on life. And so what does Jonah do with this new leash? In chapter 3, we find out just what our prophet, the reluctant prophet, does. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Boy, do you think he was hearing a little bit better this time? You think he was a little more a little more attentive? Yes, Lord, I put my best suit on and we're going to Nineveh, you know? Yes, he had Jonah's full attention. As mine, as I read this, right? We draw from these stories on how to act and react and God's wisdom in verse 2 it says go to that he says to Jonah go to that to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it a message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Man, I can imagine when he got there just the the faithfulness and the boldness that Jonah had when he was preaching and speaking these words, right? Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was an important city. A visit required 3 days. On the first day Jonah started into the city he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. Now, Back to, in verse 4, it says, He proclaimed, right? Jonah proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And back to the Ninevites, they were an evil people. This city was very evil, right? That's the whole reason Jonah was sent there, to proclaim God's message. So they could have easily just said, ah, forget about it. So what was different about that message, maybe, from Jonah? (laughs) He had the freshness of that experience. Right there, right? He knew what God's purpose was and focus was on these people. He didn't know the outcome, right? Jonah didn't know what they would do, how they would react or how they would respond. But yet he believed. And Jonah had focus and faith in God. So he, and and to probably his surprise at first, the Ninevites believed. 
right? They believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Now we see the king's response, right? Word finally gets around town. Hey, what's going on? Everybody's in sackcloth. We're, no one's eating. It finally gets to the king and says, that by the decree of the king and his nobles, right? We see the action of the responsiveness from this king. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let a man, but let man and beast be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently to God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Now there's an important couple of phrases in this, this, this reading from the, the, this king's decree. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Have you ever heard of an animal fasting? Right? When I read this, I was like, man, every, every living thing in this city the king says, do not let them eat. Dog, livestock, whatever. If it's an animal, if it's a person, they're not eating. But let man and beast be covered in sackcloth. I love this next line from the king. Let everyone call, what? Urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. I love this next line or these next couple words. Who knows, right? We see this king say, who knows? God may yet relent and have compassion and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Could you imagine Jonah in this and what his thought process was? Man, you guys have been evil for so long, you know? God's judgment's God's judgment. But yet we see that, that faith in that king who knows, right? God may yet relent. So what do we do? What do we find God's response? In verse 10, it says, When God saw that they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He had compassion. What? Compassion. And did not bring upon them the destruction that He had threatened. It's many times in my life that I wonder, and I'm going to look back, I'm sure, and say, there was God's compassion. There was God's compassion. There was God's compassion in my life when I did not deserve it, right? Or maybe I did not respond to what the Lord is trying to tell me, what the Lord is trying to teach me. In chapter 4, the last chapter of this short book, we see the response from Jonah now. How he responds to this whole situation. It says, uh, in, in chapter 4, it's titled from, in my Bible, Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. And at first when I read that, it was hard for me to understand a prophet of God being angry at God, Right? for having compassion of all things on the work that Jonah was doing and, and had done. He said he prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, this is, not what I, is this not what I said when I was still at home? Oh, now Jonah's going to say, this, this, he's going to give a nice excuse. He says, that is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. 
<laughs> I knew that you were gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So it's almost like he's saying, God, I knew you were going to save him. That's why I went the other way. I know you, your compassion. You were good. You're good. You don't need me, right? It says in verse 3 of chapter 4, Now, O Lord, take away my life. Now Jonah, to me, he's just, <laughs> take away my life. For it is better for me to, to die than to live. It says, verse 4, it says, But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made for himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So Jonah's up on the hill, I imagine, and he's like, Oh, I'm going to see the show now. Let's see what happens, right? In verse 6, it says, Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that, and it, so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching heat and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that it, he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. So back to, we see this, this reluctant heart kind of creeping back in, right? It's like, I just, I just didn't want to die. I'd rather die than live. And uh, you gave me some shade and I was grateful for that. Now this worm is eating, it's withered away. Now the sun's back on me again. And I just, it'd be better for me to die rather than to live. But I love the response from God in verse 9. He says, but God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do. So he said, I'm angry enough to die. Wow, that's pretty angry. Have you ever been angry enough to die? I know I haven't. And so I'm just wondering if there's a little drama sli slipping into Jonah here, you know. Um, I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And what the Lord's doing here is zoom, helping Jonah to zoom out, helping us to zoom out, right? And to not look at just self or just this little area that we live in. Right. In my little world, I, you know, I do this. Uh, this is my comfort zone and this is my focus. Right. But God's saying here, Jonah, don't be focused on you. Be focused on what I am doing through you. This message is for all of us today, thousands of years later, to read and to look at and to study and to pray and ask, what is it, God, that you have for me to do? Right. For you, for him. The main point of this book comes to life when God sets Jonah exactly in the spot the Ninevites were in. With the example of the vine. Have you found yourself in this scenario before? Questioning whether or not someone is deserving of God's compassion? Could it be a friend? co-worker, family member? Could it be you? Church family, we need not to draw nearer to God's during this time, during times like this. 
not further away. Compassion, flowing from the Creator of this universe, patiently waiting and watching for us to respond. To have that Jonah moment in the belly of that large fish, in the depths of darkness and despair, hopelessness overcomes us. Yet through humility, clarity, and faith, crying out to God, asking Him to rescue us, to rescue me, make me whole again. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord today. I pray that if and when you have that Jonah experience, you will cling to God. You will draw from the stories like Jonah, as well as the others from God's love letter, the Holy Bible, to each and every one of us. God wants us to respond to his calling in our lives. Reluctance is not an option when the king of the universe calls us to act on his behalf. May you not only step up when that time comes, I pray that you will shine so bright that people will not Excuse me, that people will want to know more about what makes you different. God's love and compassion abounds around us daily. It is our purpose to act. Will you join me on this journey? Father God, we just want to thank you for this day once again. Thank you for the opportunity to get into your word, to learn more about you and your character your compassion. And may we have the responsiveness, Father God, to act when you call. Bless the rest of this service and the rest of this day in this congregation as we go home, as we eat lunch and fellowship, and as we go home to our families. In Jesus' name I ask and pray. Amen.